Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and today I'm really excited to have with us the New York Times bestselling author of Homer's Odyssey and many other Homer and cat stories, Gwen Cooper. Welcome to the show, Gwen. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I want to start with, tell us about the cat that was, I guess guess Homer was the foundation for your writing career. How how did you find Homer? How, How did you guys find one another? You know, I should say that technically, and and I only bring this up because my husband always makes a point of reminding me that I did have a novel that I wrote before Homer's Odyssey, but it had nothing to do with cats. Uh, (laughs) Since Homer's Odyssey, which is my second book, everything has been about cats. Uh, But technically, technically, my my writing career started with with my hometown of Miami Beach, which was what my novel was about, Um, and and where I adopted Homer in, in a nice little segue. So, yeah, Homer was uh, a stray. He was found as a stray kitten about two weeks old, wandering the streets of Miami. And a a kind-hearted couple found him and brought him to my vet, uh, who was young herself. I I was about 25 at this point. I had just broken up with my fiancé. The two cats who he and I had adopted together and I were staying in a friend's spare bedroom on Miami Beach. And I get this call from my vet who is only a couple of years out of veterinary school. So she was pretty young and idealistic. And basically this couple had brought her this cat who had a very advanced eye infection. And so the only way to save his life was to remove his eyes. Mm -hmm. And at that point, she tried very hard to find someone who was willing to adopt this blind kitten and, and nobody was willing to. She went down her list. She put out the word through other veterinarian friends. Uh, she put up signs all over her veterinary school. It, you know, it, it was sort of a, I mean, I guess technically the internet was around, but it was AOL. It was still very early in, in the internet era, mm-hmm. let's say. Certainly um, pre-cat you know, today. <laughs> yes. I mean, today it's, it's certainly much easier to get the word out if, if you're trying to, to cast a wide net. And um and, and so she sort of knew I was not at a great place in my life at that moment. I, I really barely knew how I was going to take care of myself and the two cats I already had. But she was pretty desperate. She had a toddler at home who was allergic to cats. So her bringing this, this kitten home was not an option. And, and so she called me. And, you know, like I said, it, it was not necessarily the greatest time in my life. But I'm listening to this story and this blind kitten who nobody wants and I was in tears by the time she finished talking and, and I said something like, well, I'll come down and meet him, but I'm not promising anything. And, <laughs> and of course, anyone, you know, right. As yeah, soon as you say, I'll come down and meet slope. him, you're, you're done. <laughs> right. You're there. It, it, you know, and, um, and so I went down and, and met him. And, uh, and as I like to say, it, even though he was blind, it was truly love at first sight. Oh, uh, how long had, how long had he been with her? How long had he been blind since she'd removed his eyes? Well, he was about two weeks old when he came to her and, and cats, as you know, don't really open their eyes before that point. So she did not believe that he had ever been able to see. Oh. And, and my feeling 
over a lifetime with him is that that my feeling after a lifetime with him was that that was probably true because he did not really seem to have even a concept of vision. I used to like to joke that that in his mind, he, he must have wondered how I was as omniscient as I was because he thought, of course, that silent and invisible meant the same thing. And so when he was trying to sneak around to get away with something, he would do it very quietly, but in plain sight. And he always <laughs> seemed very surprised that, that I knew exactly what he was up to. Um, so, so he was about four weeks old, you know, when I brought him home and uh, he was or five weeks old. He'd been with her for about three weeks. Uh, but yeah, he was very young and, and probably never was able to see. Wow. That, you know, I wanted a blind kitten. I, I lost my old cat uh, about a year ago and, uh, and we were looking for one that a red marble. I like the, the ginger cat. So I was looking for a red marble. Uh-huh. And this one came up on, on Facebook. One of the rescues had one. It was a kitten and he was same kind of thing, really bad eye infection and was going to be blind. And I told my husband, I said, this is the one, this is the one I want a blind one. My husband was like, we can't have a blind cat because we move around too much. You know, we're back and forth between Texas and New Mexico and we eventually want to get an RV and we'll be moving around. And, you know, that cat's not going to be able to survive. And I said, they do. They adapt really well. I think it'll be perfect. And and then another red marble came in like hours later that wasn't blind. And I, I let him choose. But every day I say, I wish we'd had the blind cat instead, because we wouldn't have this trouble with counter surfing you know, and, and things like that. No, so, that's true. And, and is that true? What, what is it? What's life like living with a blind cat? Well, so I will say right off the top to, to address your husband's point, um, just because my, you know, when I adopted Homer, I, I was, I was very young my life was unstable. So I moved with Homer uh, for in the first 10 years of his life, I would say a total of six or seven times. Uh, wow. So we moved fairly frequently. And we actually moved at one point from Miami to New York. So that was a major move that involves an airplane, which, by the way, Homer did not like air travel at all. Um, and, and so what I would say is, is the day-to-day consistently certainly important with blind cats. You, you don't want to just like kind of leave shoes lying around in the middle of the floor. You, you want to keep the, the litter box and, and food in certain places. Uh, but other than that, it, it really having a blind cat is, is really, you know, just having a cat. And as far as moves went, Homer was very adaptable. And I would say probably of my three cats, you know, my other two cats were sighted, and they're always a little cats are always a little skittish when they get into a new space. Anytime we moved, it would be a couple of days before everyone stopped hiding under their beds. Uh, but Homer, within the first hour, would be out and exploring. He hmm. he was he was always. I think you know I don't know how much of that was because of his blindness or or was just an innate personality trait. But Homer was incredibly curious. He was very brave. He was very adaptable, and and he got along in new places just fine. Oh, well, that's good. That's good to hear for the next blind one that comes up. And then I'll, I'll tell my husband, yes. he has to listen to the podcast and we're getting a blind kitten. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his stories, Homer's stories really opened up opportunities for you, for you as well. Like, like connecting with Lighthouse for the Blind and other types of pet rescues, didn't it? Yeah. You know, so Homer, it's interesting. I initially wrote Homer story. And again, um, 
this was before, you know, I mean, Facebook was very new. A lot of the social media communities that, that have connected rescue organizations and, and people were not, were not in full swing at that time. So when I was first writing Homer's Odyssey, I had an idea that I hoped it would encourage adoption of blind or special needs animals, although I did not at that moment have relationships with those with organizations that work specifically with special needs animals. Uh, but through Homer's Odyssey, I became involved with Blind Cat Rescue and Sanctuary in North Carolina, which is one of only two organizations in the U.S. that is specifically dedicated to blind cats. Uh, but what I really found was that Homer's story really resonated with the rescue community in a way that that was much more powerful than I had originally thought, although it makes sense because I think Homer represented so many cats that people who work in rescue, I, I, I always used to say, you know, they, they go home and cry about at night. Here's this cat who, yes, is blind or yes, is deaf or yes, is a little wobbly but would make such a wonderful companion if someone would only give this cat a chance. And, and again, I think that through the growth of social media over the last decade, that is probably somewhat easier for people who work in rescue than it is now. But at the time that Homer's story was published, it was incredibly difficult for people in rescue to find homes for special needs cats. And, and so Homer's story really meant a lot more to rescuers than, than I had initially thought it would, although it was something I, I was happy to see because, of course, their, their work means a great deal to me. So yeah. it worked out well. And, it, and nowadays, it, it's almost as if the special needs cats are more appealing in some, in some ways, you know? <laughs> the- Insta- Instagram has really done that. Instagram has, has made a lot of stars out of, uh, out, out of unusual pets. And um, so, you know, I, I, do the, the, I don't want to be cynical. I, I certainly hope that nobody is adopting a special needs pet with the idea that, oh, I'm going to make them a, a big social media star. Um, but but yes, it, it, Instagram has probably been one of the best things that's happened for the image, let's say, of, of special needs pets in a very long time. Yep, yep, yep. We were um, we were staying with a friend in, in the midst of this move we just went through. We ended up having to stay with a friend in Dallas for about a week, and and Pico, my my cat, Pico de Gato is his name. He <laughs> he just insisted on counter surfing. And, and this friend of ours was not okay with him being up on his kitchen counter where we were prepping food. And he kept jumping up on the counter, kept jumping up on the counter. And finally, I just said, look, I told you we should have adopted that blind kitten instead. <laughs> and some well, ways I first of all, I'll like say that. Pico de Gato is a, is a great name for a cat, by the way, Pico <laughs> de Gato. I love that. Um, I should say that you know, again, cats, blind cats are like any other cat insofar as they really do all have their own personalities. Homer was very daring and very exploratory. The only counters he really stayed off of were those that were maybe high enough that he couldn't climb up to them or, or didn't know he could have easily jumped. But he got into closets and closet shelves and and he, he was, uh, I used to call him daredevil. He liked to climb and jump and explore. He definitely more than my other two cats was the let's push everything off the desk kind of cat, you know, <laughs> let's push things off the counter for no good reason. Uh, so I, I could not guarantee you that, that a blind, a life with a blind cat is a life free of, of counter surfing, as you put it. <laughs> um, 
just you know it might be it, it would really depend on the personality of of the cat that you adopted and and how high your counters are you know maybe if the cat didn't realize she could jump up to them she might be less apt to to try to knock things off of them yeah yeah and and you know they're cats so they'll find any number of ways to get your attention right? oh yeah <laughs> indeed they do oh oh you betcha homer <laughs> you know homer was uh he was blind he was certainly not invisible <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> now, in your books, you know, have have transitioned. It looks like when I when I look at your your body of books that you've written, they've transitioned from those first ones that were all about Homer and living with Homer to these latest latest series of mystery stories. And tell us how that happened. Yeah, so there are actually a number of books. My my first cat book was about Homer. That was Homer's Odyssey, and I have since written a sequel to Homer's Odyssey. And also a book called My Life in a Cat House, uh, which is also a memoir about Homer, but also the four other cats who I've lived with over the course of my my, my life with cats. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are those books. And, and then there have been a, a few sort of humor, you know what I call it, the humor and gift books. Um, I have one book, for example, that, that came out last year called The Book of Possum. And that's possum, P-A-W, not possum like like, you know, the, the animal, but possum, right. like awesome with a P. Um, Headbunks, raspy tongues, and 101 reasons why cats make us so, so happy. And, and that's just kind of a humor book and, and which just um, really just sort of grew out of a moment of, of inspiration, I guess. It was just like a fun, it, it, it's a gift book. It's a little fun little gift book. Mm -hmm. um, the mystery series, the Homer Whodunit mystery series is going to launch this summer. And it is a series of cozy mystery, it will, it, or it will be a series of cozy mystery novels in which Homer uses his heightened senses to help solve murders in a small town in South Florida in the mid-90s. And the first book is called You Only Live Nine Times. I am Sounds like very excited Bond about movie. it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it really is the culmination of a lot of different things for me. So my first novel was a novel about South Beach, and I lived on South Beach. I, I'm a Miami Beach native, and I, I sort of lived and, and was part of, of the, the nightlife scene on South Beach in the mid-90s. And so that is when the, the Homer whodunit mystery novels are going to be set. So it's sort of like everything coming together. So I, I get to write this, this version of Miami Beach that, that I lived in, and I get to have Homer who who, you know, in his real life uh, was a, was actually, I, I don't know if you know that story, um, but who saved my life, who was a crime fighting cat. Mm -hmm. And so I, I get to kind of bring it all together. Um, and, and it's a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to, to publishing it. I'm, I'm having a really good time writing those stories. That's great. And those come out this summer, right? That will come out this summer. Yes. Um, and yeah. And, and so, I should just say, um, because this is, this is one of the famous stories about Homer. This is one of the stories that that people are, are. I'm trying to put this the right way because I don't want to take any credit. This was something amazing that Homer did that really brings people to love him in the course of Homer's honesty. But when I was living on Miami Beach back in the late '90s, I woke up one night at four o'clock in the morning to find a strange man standing in my bedroom. And Homer chased him out of my apartment. 
And and I used to always say that that I saved this this little cat's life. And then a few years later, he returned the favor. Wow. And it was Homer. Yeah, it was Homer who first even knew that, you know, the rest of us were asleep. It was Homer who knew that there was someone in the apartment. Homer was the first one who woke up. Homer, although he was blind, his senses of hearing and smell were unbelievable. And I think because he was a very small cat, he only weighed about six or seven pounds. But I think because he was blind, he didn't know how much smaller he was than everyone else. So (laughs) Uh he was he was really fearless. He he launched himself at this man who was in our bedroom um, and 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 ran him off, basically. And and so, yeah, so Homer earned his creds a long time ago as a crime fighting cat. So so the Homer whodunit mystery series will, will kind of uh, bring bring him back to his roots, so to speak, as, as a crime fighter. Oh, that's cool. And then and people for people to get notifications of when that's coming out, they tell everybody your website where they can go and sign up for your emails because I get your emails and they're wonderful. I, I love getting them. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, I try to send out in addition to stuff I'm working on, like like fun cat videos that I find or, or some of my baking. I, I you know, I, I guess maybe it's a little bit of a cliche. I do really love to bake. And so I like to send out like little baking hints and things like that. Um, so it's not just always, you know, buy my books. Um, <laughs> but you can go to my website and that is GwenCooper.com, G-W-E-N-C-O-O-P-E-R.com. And if you join my mailing list, you will receive a free copy of a new book about Homer. And that is a collection of stories. Uh, So post Homer's Odyssey, if you have already read Homer's Odyssey, or if you end up picking it up and you enjoy it, uh, there are more stories and more adventures and you can get uh, one book for free in exchange for signing up for my mailing list. And, um, And hopefully you will enjoy that enough to stick around. It's great. You'll you'll love her mailing list. And you also have your own podcast, right? Curl up with a cat tail. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that is new. I, I just started it. It is because I did, I decided to wait until there were literally a million people who had podcasts before I started my own because I, <laughs> you know, I'm always one step ahead of the curve on that on things like that. Um, but it, it it launched three weeks ago. And it's really just another way for me to talk to readers. So the Curl Up with a Cattail podcast, I like to say it's not at all servicey. Um, it arguably, I'm doing a great job of pitching it, right? It arguably <laughs> is of no use to anybody. You will learn nothing by listening to it. I cannot begin to tell you just how utterly useless this podcast is, except <laughs> that it's a place where we, we just gather and tell stories about cats. Uh, I talk about cats. I like to have readers on and and to tell some of their incredible stories you know people write to me all the time and and they send me these incredible stories uh, uh, incredible and dramatic and heartwarming and funny and just wonderful stories about their cats and of course they don't write books so i'm the only one other than their immediate circle of friends who is hearing these stories so what i like to do you know it's a weekly podcast and at least once a month, I like to have a reader come on to tell an amazing story about their cats. And so that's why it's called Curl Up With A Cat Tail. It, it really, it's, it's just, a, it's a podcast that is a conversation. 
so again, you, you're not necessarily going to learn useful things, but you do get to hang out with people who love cats and who will totally not judge you for loving to talk about your cats. <laughs> we all need more of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and people can find links to that podcast on your website as well. Yeah, it's you can either just look for it by the, by its title, Curl Up with a Cat Tail with Gwen Cooper, or if you go to GwenCooper.com, you can either listen to it directly on my website or you'll find a bunch of links to it on, you know, iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts and so on and so forth. Great, great. I look forward to hearing those too. That'll be fun. We all we all need, you know, well, just thank you. to check out every now and then and listen to cat stuff. And <laughs> without any with purpose. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Especially, especially those of <laughs> just us just for the fun of it. Right. Especially all of us who who are just cat purposed all day long. Every now and then we you know we exactly. want to hear about cats, but it, without a purpose. So I think that's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> and and you currently now Homer wasn't your last special needs cat. You currently have a tripod, right? I do. Yes, uh, Clayton. Clayton the tripod. Uh, we um, when Homer the, the during the the last year of Homer's life. So Homer was the youngest of my first three cats, and Homer was a very social cat. And when he was the last one left, he was very lonely and took that very hard. And first we tried adopting an older cat. We thought that might be a better fit for him. It did not work out as well. The personalities, you know, we, we fostered a couple of cats uh, hoping to maybe have a foster failure and didn't really, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> I, I did some spring cleaning, by the way. So I'm just a little, <laughs> there's a lot of dust in the air <laughs> in my house. Um, so so we, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we fostered a, a couple of middle-aged cats hoping to find a love connection. It didn't really work out that way, although they did go on to good forever homes. And so we started, looked, you know, my husband and I started thinking about a kitten. And then we figured that if we were going to adopt one kitten, we should probably adopt two so that what, you know, Homer would not have to deal with the energy of a single kitten who had no uh -huh. other outlet except Homer because Homer at this point was about 15. Oh, yeah. So we adopted. Yeah. Um, you know, he was lonely. And, and so we wanted him to have entertainment, but we didn't want him to have to be a babysitter, basically. Right. So so we adopted a bonded pair of litter mates, Clayton and Fanny. And we really did look, we wanted specifically to find a special needs cat at that point. We were, you know, Homer, I, I was um, just such a wonderful, I mean, accident is the wrong word. Homer came into my life completely unplanned, but he, it was just such a wonderful and enriching relationship. And, and so I, I felt that my husband and I were uniquely situated to give a home to another special needs cat. And so we went looking for a bonded pair where at least one of the cats was special needs. Um, and then, so that was how we adopted Clayton and Fanny. Clayton only has three legs, although because the one and only limitation that Clayton really has is that he's not a very good jumper. He's missing a hind leg. Mm -hmm. And so that really limits him. Fanny, his litter mate is a ballerina and, and a jock and mm -hmm. she gets everywhere and and does it so she's so slender and sneak and graceful and and she just goes wherever she wants to there's really nothing in the house that's too high for her to climb up um but but clayton is is very much earthbound clayton only has one hind leg and and he's a little pudgy and so he's just not at all a good jumper 
Um, so if you want a cat who's going to stay off counters, I would recommend a pudgy three-legged cat. <laughs> over blind, right? <laughs> I, I over blind because blind cats can still be very, I mean, Homer was very nimble and, and agile and exploratory. Clayton, he, he just kind of hippity hops at ground around a ground level. Um, I don't know what's funny. He and Fanny, they are brother, they are genetic brother and sister. And they eat the same food in the same quantities. And Fanny is so slender. She has these like supermodel hip bones, we always say. And and Clayton <laughs> is such a roly-poly little boy. I, I don't know why he's so pudgy. His blood work is always good. He doesn't have thyroid problems or anything like that. It's just a real spin of the genetic wheel. Um, but he, he he does not get very high on his own. He's always kind of, you know, <laughs> like huffing and puffing his way up the side of the couch. And uh so yeah, earthbound is a good way <laughs> to describe him. That's funny. And I, I did not think that this podcast was was going to be about choosing your special needs cat based on the behavior you don't want to have. <laughs> <laughs> no, although I will say, all, all kidding aside, if you want to give a home, and, and certainly not even just to a special needs cat, but to any pet, and, and I always say this, you really do have to think about your lifestyle and what makes sense for your home. And, and to be honest about what both your, your tolerance levels are and, and also what your needs are, um, because any kind of special needs cat is, you know, I always say that a cat with special needs is still a cat who is as capable of loving you and living a wonderful life as any other cat. And that is true, but not every special need is for every person. And, you know, and, and there aren't, look, if you're a person who's really married to, to bric-a-brac and, and mm-hmm. breakable glass things, then you really do want to think about if you do also want a cat, what kind of cat you are going to adopt. And, and I only say that because, you know, and I'm sure anyone who works in rescue will tell you that there's nothing more heartbreaking than a cat who get, ends up being brought back to a shelter for very foreseeable complications. Yeah, it's so you know, hard on them. That Yes, because um, there are people who don't like having things knocked off their counters. And, and if that is the case, then you should definitely get a, a pudgy three-legged cat is, <laughs> is really the way to go. But, um, but, but there is no guarantee that a blind cat is going to be very brave or very timid or very earthbound or very aerial. Uh, you know, it, it's always going to be the personality of the cat. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I had a consult with a couple who was adopting a cat and and, uh, and we were doing a video consult and they have this huge pottery collection and there's, there was just like pottery everywhere and it was expensive, rare pottery. And they were taking me around the home and, and asking me what they should do. And I was like, oh, well, um, yeah, you're going to have to clear off. Maybe that. not a cat. <laughs> right. You should have gotten a yeah. dog with a, a, a short dog whose tail wasn't going to knock any exactly. of it off either. But yeah, I was like, you need to clear all that off over there i need to clear it off over there <laughs> you know, cats and, and ming vase collections don't don't necessarily yeah. go very well together no no, yeah, no, sure. no they sure don't well i think your books have, are are absolutely wonderful and i think they do help people to feel more comfortable you know living with a special needs cat because i i think a lot of people are afraid of that and they think well i, I won't know how to provide for it and i you know, I'm going to trip over it. If a blind cat, you know, he's not going to see me coming and I'm going to trip on it or, you know, like my husband, you know, with, with the fears sure. and that you have and or stereotypes against special needs cats. So, 
I mean, I think, I think your books are wonderful at pointing out all of the special, unique things that a, that a special needs cat can bring to someone's life. Well, well, thank you. And it is, of course, very understandable. I was certainly very intimidated at first when I first brought Homer home. I, it was really much more of an emotional decision than a rational one. And, uh, you know, but having said that, it, the, the experience of living it, things work themselves out. And, and it really ultimately, yeah, living with a blind cat is, is just like living with any other cat, except that you have to stay a little bit tidier. And maybe you don't have to, but, it, but it's considerate of your cat. You know, do, you want to be considerate enough of your blind cat not to have him trip over things that are not where you expect them to be. Right. Um, that, that was really the, the, the big lifestyle change for me was I like, oh, I, guess I, I guess I have to start hanging up my clothes now like a grown up. <laughs> but I was 25, so it was arguably a long time coming, that change. <laughs> right. You needed that. Yeah, exactly. And you don't rearrange the furniture all the time and things like that, right? <laughs> right. Right. Although it's, you know, I was never necessarily into pushing, pushing the furniture around the living room just for the heck of it anyway. But uh, definitely a shoes in the middle of the floor kind of person before Homer. Absolutely. <laughs> Now, your new books that are coming out, are those going to be available, you know, Amazon, places like that? Yeah. So um, the new books I'm actually planning to self-publish, which is a new move for me. I started during um, quarantine, actually. Uh, there were just some things that I, I thought I could write and I could write them very quickly. And I did. And I just kind of wanted them out there. And I did so, and it was a great experience. So I'm going to continue on that track for a little while. So the Homer Who Done It series will be self-published. Um, having said that, yes, you'll be able to order it on Amazon. You can ask your bookstore to order it for you if they're not already carrying it. Uh, I, I don't want to get too inside baseball with how the publishing industry works, but I'll be working with Amazon and also with Ingram Spark. And Ingram is basically a wholesaler that provides books to bookstores. Um, so you should be able to get it anywhere, even if you don't, you may not walk into your bookstore and see it on a display shelf, but if you ask them to find it for you, they will be able to do so, or you can just go right to Amazon and buy it there. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Well, I look forward to yeah. those coming out. Anything well, else you. about Homer that you want to share with us or, or living with kitties in general? Um, you know, <laughs> I, I do have my own podcast now where I, where I, I'm, I'm even, I am a little talked down on the subject of cats, but I feel like we've done a pretty good job of, of covering, uh, my, my body of work and, and my life with Homer. And, uh, so yeah, you, you've done a good job as an interviewer. I thank you. Well, well, good. I was, it was a pleasure to finally get to interview <laughs> you. <laughs> yes. We, we were a little bit of like star-crossed lovers trying to make this work for two weeks. Yep. Yep. Well, obviously this was the perfect time. So I'm, I'm glad that, yes, that the you stars aligned. Us. Yes. So thank, thanks for well, being on our thanks. show today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And for everybody tuning in, thanks for tuning in and, and giving us your time today. Go out and, and definitely join Gwen's uh, email list. I think you'll really enjoy getting her emails and check out her new pod podcast, Curl Up With a Cattail, because that sounds like fun. I'm, I may go do that right now. So until next <laughs> time, everybody, just keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. 
Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.